Good morning to, what is this again? The New Life class. It's been a while. Oh my gosh. So how many of you like continued a conversation you were doing a year, you know, 18 months ago? That's just kind of wild. So this is actually, uh, so it's been 18 months. It's one year uh, to the Sunday of when we, uh, as a class, quit streaming. So we were right over there and had our little lights and would come here in the dark. It'd be Chris and Audra, and my wife came for moral support, which was much appreciated. And uh, so let's give them a hand. They did a great job of helping us with that and uh, and came. And that they weren't even parents yet. But uh, you started, yeah, yeah. So... Glad you are here and good to hear you talking and interacting. A couple of things we want to do to get going, and it's this. First of all, just turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I'm glad you're here. Yes, yes. Well, let me ask you, you know, here we are. Uh, I'm always a fan of Barney Fife, so let's put this up here. And I shared this with... Uh, our equipping for our discovery hour. What stage of Barney Fife are you currently in? How many of you are fans of Barney Fife? Okay, you know, yeah, some, some of you, some of you are shaking your head like, really? Yeah, really. So, what what number? So, turn to your neighbor there and say, what what stage of Barney Fife are you currently in right now? What do you think? What do you think? Okay, somebody. What, we're, we're, what do you think, Jody? Eight? Eight. Okay. Hey, you, I'm here, right? right, right yeah, I'm here. What, what, Trina, what about you? Nine. Nine. Okay. All right. All right. Kirk, you're, you're, you're a contemplative guy. What, what about you? Probably seven, but there's several. <laughs> there's seven. Just kind of the, the whole thing, right? All right. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Well, here's the bottom line. Everyone needs personal renewal in one of five ways. Everyone needs personal renewal in one of five ways. So if you look there in your notes, check all that apply in your life. Is it fatigue that is dominant? Is it frustration? Is it failure? Do you have a sense of failure? Is it fear? Or is it the the, the idea that you're fallen. I've fallen and I can't get up. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trapped. Um, and, and there I am. And then here's what you want to think is you check those and, and, and it might be more than one and it often is. All right. So whatever it is, check it, but then ask yourself, how do these emotions drain your energy and enthusiasm for loving God and others. We're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul. But these kind of areas can drain us and, and sap our energy. Because here's the deal. Life is tough and it doesn't get any easier the older and longer you live. It's easy to be discouraged and even depressed about the past where you are in the present, where you may feel stuck, and what lies ahead in the future. Because here's the, idea, here's, the, here's the point. When personal goals take longer than expected, fatigue sets in. When life gets more complicated than you want it to be, frustration goes up. When you begin to doubt your ability to handle life, a sense of failure begins to grow. And when opposition comes in your life, and when these things are functioning, there seems like life's against you, other people are against you, fear begins to grow. And then when you realize, you know what? Everything around me has fallen. You begin to realize, you know what? I'm fallen too. Everything around me is broke. And guess what? I'm broken too. What am I to do? And so here's a really important question for you. How do you personally... Renew and re-energize your life. How do you personally renew and re-energize your life? And then here's the kicker. How's it going for you? How is what you're doing working for you? How is that happening in your life? And what I want to do this morning is present to you 
an alternative to maybe what you're doing or strengthen you in what you are doing. Uh, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Because in Psalm 103, David himself, who knew a lot about these frustrations, sense of fear, failure, all of these areas, David at one time or another experienced in his life. And in Psalm 103, David reveals a roadmap for renewal that has three rest stops. And that's what we're going to do for the next three weeks. But right now, let's just stop and let me read to you Psalm 103. Follow along there in your Bible and uh, just, just let the Lord speak. For when we read God's word, it's God speaking to us. So let's take a look at it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who pardons all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes, pops up. And when the wind has passed over it, it is no more. And its place acknowledges it no longer. But, but the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Lord, I pray that you would seal these words today and in the weeks to come. Renew us as eagles with your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, that's just good, isn't it? Look, so basically what this psalm does, it's broken up into three parts, and it tells us where or how renewal begins, which we'll look at this morning. It tells us how does renewal grow, which we'll look at next week. And then it tells us what renewal brings, and we'll look at that on the third week. But for today, we want to stop at the rest stop number one and answer this question. How does renewal begin? How does renewal begin? And it's really simple. There's just two steps to it, two ideas. So here's the first one. Remember all the Lord has done. Remember all the Lord has done. And that's found for us in our entire lesson today is verses 1 through 5. So verses 1 through 5 is one simple point, and it's simply this. Remember all that the Lord has done. Here's the reality. Nothing will lead you to greater spiritual weakness and apathy 
than forgetting all that God has done for you in Christ. When we forget Him, then we, everything gets distorted, everything gets out of whack, and we lose perspective. Renewal begins by remembering all that God the Father has done for us through His Son and by His Spirit in our lives. And so this first rest stop on the roadmap to renewal is simply this. Stop and count your blessings. Name them one by one. You know that song. Count your many blessings and see what the Lord has done. So that's what we're going to do because that's what the psalmist, that's what David does in this. And so let's look here. And first of all, notice verse 1 and 2 because this is where it all begins and this is where it begins or ends. If you don't get verse 1 and 2, bless the Lord, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, O my soul. And he's, he's talking to himself. But here's the question. Is this just self-talk? Is he just, there's, there's an aspect of preaching the gospel to yourself, but is that what's going on here? Is, is, in other words, here's the question. This is not the self-talk of someone trying to force himself to bless God. Rather, it's a person who cannot stop himself from blessing God. So it's not like, self, you got to bless him today. I know you don't want to, but you got a blessing today. He's not forcing. What he's saying is he has seen all that God has done, and there wells up within him, bless the Lord, oh my soul, I can't contain this. I can't stop myself. Now, he's so full of God's awareness of his many blessings. So let me ask you this question. What do people often say when they're overwhelmed by the good that someone else has done to them. You know, let's say Jeremy just went out of his way and just served me or uh, treated me to something or was kind to me. What do we often say to people? We say, God bless you. God bless you. But what's happening in this psalm is seeing what God has done for me and David saying, me bless God. It's the reversal of that. It's me. I need to bless God because of all that I see that he has done. Now, let me say this. If you're in those five areas, if you're in that stage of Barney Fife, you're like, well, I don't have it in me, and it ain't coming naturally. So it's okay. Listen, it's okay if you're not there this morning. But here's the good news. God can get you there. God can get you there, and I believe he can get you there before you walk out this door. He can get you there before you put your head down tonight. If you will take and heed and follow what's going on in this psalm. So let's do that. Let's count our blessings. There's five blessings in these five verses to never forget. And they're, they're found in verses 3, 4, and 5. And here's the first one. The first blessing to never forget is total forgiveness. Total forgiveness. Look in your Bibles at verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities? And let me just give you a little observation, head, heads up right now. There is five who's, five H-W-O's, and those are indicating what these five blessings from are and who they're from. Who does this? Who does this? Who does this? So here's the first one in verse 3. Who, who forgives all our iniquities? And in each of these... There's a word picture that we should be painting. And so let's look at this renewing word picture. And it's this. A prisoner discharged from a courtroom, completely forgiven and acquitted of any and all crimes. It's just like, I'm free. Have you ever watched court TV? Or, and you want to admit it here this morning? But if you ever watched, you know, someone who is innocent, but they're 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 they've been declared they've been uh, at trial and they're waiting for the judge's verdict and they zoom in on their face and they're anxious and they're nervous. And then that judge lowers that gavel and says, you are innocent, not guilty. And man, there's just this flood of emotion. That's what he's saying. You who are in Christ, you who have come to God, 
can be forgiven of all your iniquities. Now, how is this possible? Well, turn your Bibles to Ephesians 1.7. How is it possible that God can cancel and forgive all our iniquities? Well, the answer is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Notice what it says there. Ephesians 1.7. In Him. In who? In Christ. The context there tells us, in Christ we have redemption through His blood. And what is that redemption? What does His blood bring? The forgiveness of sins. And how many of our sins? What is the payment? According to the riches of His grace. God's abundant, amazing, abounding grace. Uh, same thing Paul writes in Colossians 1.14. He says this, In whom, that is Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. In Colossians 2.13, he says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He is made alive together with Him, having forgiven all your trespasses. Listen, every blessing, every blessing that is, we're going to follow, the next four, and every other blessing in your life that you can think of, it comes on the basis of, God, of God's redeeming grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Until our sins are canceled, we're guilty. And we're not going to make it. And we can't atone for it on ourselves. So what does this mean? What does it mean to have your sins canceled? Because sometimes we just, okay, I'm forgiven, and we kind of move on, and we don't think about it. So turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy 1.5. 1 Timothy 1.5, and, and let's look at what does this mean that he forgives all our iniquities. And there's probably many places we could turn to, but I want you to turn to 1 Timothy 1.5, and notice what this says, what Paul says to Timothy. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. Now, when you look at those three things, we are freed by forgiveness to love God and others. How? First of all, with a clear conscience. No more guilt. That takes care of our past. We don't have to feel guilty about what's in our past, what we've done in our past, what has separated us from God and caused difficulties in our relationships. A pure heart. There's no more stain. There's no more stain. That means there's no more shame. We don't have, we don't have to feel shame. We don't have to feel the weight of that. When uh, we took, since we prayed for the Gandhis, when I took a team from our church to Germany, and we hit ground, and, and the first thing that uh, Keith did was take us to a Vogue fest, okay? Uh, which is very German because basically, yeah. So anyway, it was interesting. So we're there and we ate there. And so we're eating. And from there, we were going to go to Bible study at, with Keith's people and at Keith's church. And so we're just stopping on the way and we're eating there. And as I do, as my wife will tell you, I, I can be, I don't know, I can eat anything and I will stain my shirt. So we're sitting there eating and I get this uh, something or other on my shirt. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it ruined everything. You know, I'm thinking I'm supposed to be introduced, introducing our team. And I got this thing on my shirt. And so I'm thinking, okay, I need water. I need water. I, we got to, Gwen, help me. We got to get this stain off. So we grab the bottle of water, but over there in Europe, it's water with gas, right? It's water with gas. So I pop the top off, and the thing just explodes in my face and explodes all down my front. And it, I, I was like, oh, I was, uh, we were cracking up. But it wasn't funny, it really, because it was like, okay. And what I needed, though, so I had to wear a Keith Gandy shirt. So we had to go swing by Keith's apartment. I had to have a new shirt. Well, that's what we are when we sin. We, we, we need not a new shirt. We need a new heart. And that's what God gives us. He gives us a new heart where we don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to hide it. We don't have to cover it up. It's all taken care of. And then finally, a sincere faith. That means there's no more fear about the future. So think about it. There's no more guilt in the past, a clear conscience. There's no more stain in the present. We are given a pure heart. And there's no more fear in the future 
because we have a sincere faith and trust in God. And then what fruit does this first blessing produce? Well, I have it there in your notes. It's Titus 2.14. Again, referring to Christ, because all this comes through him. Who gave himself for us that we that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own specific people. Notice the next phrase, zealous, zealous for good works. In other words, when you count this blessing and receive it in Christ, you will have a renewed zeal for the things of God and for the people of God. That's just the first blessing. Let's look at the second one. The next one comes right on it. Inner healing. Inner healing. Notice, he not only forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your disease. All your diseases. Now, the first thing I want you to see in your Bibles is how diseases and iniquities are parallel. Because what I want you to see in this point, because, you know, first of all, you're like, heals all our diseases. Well, I've got some diseases right now that aren't healed, right? We all, probably everybody here has something or other that hasn't been healed. Then you have prosperity gospel that says, well, if you just exercise more of that faith that we just talked about, you would be healed. And yet, here in the Bible, it says he forgives or he heals all our diseases. But the first thing I want you to see is there's a connection between diseases and iniquities. Not And, and we'll, we'll, let me flesh that out. Let's look at it. First of all, though, what does this look and feel like to be healed of all your diseases? Let's look at this renewing word picture. It's the picture of a patient healed in the hospital and discharge completely cured. I mean, it's like, wow. You know, it's like when the cancer patient rings the bell, right? And yet, in this earth, when you ring that bell, you still got to go to checkups. And you're still going to die. But with this, it's like, no, no more. No more crutches, no more pills, no more insurance pay. I mean, just that's the look and the feel of this blessing. But what does it mean? So let's look at what does it mean? It means, first of all, a cure for what really ails you on the inside. It's a cure for what really ails you on the inside. Because at the end of the day, sickness is rooted and grounded and connected to sin. Okay? That's the source of it. You know, you can... you can. God couldn't, and, and Jesus did this on earth. He miraculously healed people completely of what was ailing them. But the reality is many didn't put their faith in him, and many were not saved and healed of what really counted. Okay, you can see that in the Gospels. Jesus was saying, look, here's what I can do for the sickness, which is the fruit, but think of what I can do for the root of sickness and that is sin, and I can heal you from the worst disease of all, and that's a fallen heart. And so, first of all, I want you to see that in verse 3, iniquities and diseases, diseases are rooted in sin in this verse. Now, turn your Bible to Psalm 31, Psalm 31.10, I want you to see how to think about sickness and sin. From your Bibles, and I want your Bibles to show you. So look at Psalm 31.10. The psalmist says, For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity. My strength. I am physically affected by my spiritual condition. And my bones waste away. This is David in his sin. Turn right over to Psalm 38. Turn over to Psalm 38. 38, and let's look at verses 3 through 8. Psalm 38, and let's look at verses 3 through 8. There is no soundness in my flesh. Okay, my fle I'm physically distraught. 
because of your anger, nor any health in my bones. But why? Because of my sin. Verse 4, for my iniquities have gone over my heart like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds are foul and festering. Why? Because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I'm bowed down greatly. I, I go mourning all day long. For my loins are full of inflammation. That doesn't sound good. And there's no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil in my heart. Now, let me give you a connection between sin and sickness. So if you want to jot this down, great. But it's something worth thinking through. And it takes some thinking. All disease is due to sin. Some is due to Adam's choice. Some is due, actually, I should say, most is due to Adam's choice to sin. When Adam and Eve sinned way at the beginning, we have been, we have been sick people ever since. Spiritually, physically, and ultimately, we're fallen. Here's the reality. That beautiful baby, you know, we, we got a lot of babies right now in our church. Those beautiful babies, they were all born terminally ill. Every healthy baby is born terminally ill. Because every baby is born a fallen sinner. And from the moment they take their first breath, they start the process of dying. Why? Because we are sinners by birth, tracing all the way back to Adam, and by choice. And if you doubt that your kid was born a sinner, it just doesn't take long, parents. Can we have testimony from the Ruckles on this? Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Uh, there's also the sin of denial, okay? There's the sin of denial that, that need to be confessed. Let me, let me talk to the one that really knows, Audra. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, okay. And I love Chris. Chris, he just, you know, I tell you, if you want to see what Caitlin looks like, just follow Chris on Facebook. You get moment-by-moment updates, don't we? And they're beautiful. They're beautiful. Or she's beautiful. Okay, so what are we talking about? All disease is most is due to Adam's choice to sin. Secondly, some is due to others' choices to sin. Okay, so if it, some kids are born sick because their their mother uh, was on drugs or they were uh, uh, took alcohol and, and were drunk and and other sins. Some some people get cancer, lung cancer, because of secondhand smoke. And then some is due to our own choice to sin. But it doesn't matter what it is. All sickness in some way is traced back to sin. And yet, and and here's the thing. Just like a doctor is, uh, is not practicing good medicine when they treat the symptom instead of the cause. You know, we hate that when they do that. You know, just take a pill, do that, you'll be better. Yeah, but what, what's causing this? What's causing this? Well, that's what we need to be asking about our own sickness and realize that whenever we get sick, that's telling us about the root condition, condition that we're going to die someday. And we can treat the symptoms, but we need someone to heal all our diseases, including that inner disease, which is most important. Secondly, the inner man is what needs healing first and foremost. The inner man is what needs healing first and foremost. And I'll tell you, and I can tell you right now, and some of you have already experienced it, if I, if I come and visit you in the hospital when you're sick, the, you're going to hear this psalm. You're, I'm going to read you Psalm 103. Why? Because when I go to the doctor, I can't do anything. I'm powerless to help those that are lying in that bed. And guess what? All the medicine and all the technology ultimately is going to be powerless too. Plus, what's most important, though, is the state of your soul when you're lying there, right? And so let's talk about where you are in relation to Christ because you need healing first and foremost on the inside. And Ephesians three sixteen through 19 talks about this. Listen to what Paul says. He prays for the Ephesians that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. There's that idea. Everything comes to us by the riches in Christ. To be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Listen, listen. Without this kind of renewal, whatever you do to get through today, get through the day, get through this coming week, it will not last without that connection. Now, how is this possible? How is this possible? How can God heal all our diseases? Turn your Bibles to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. How is this possible? We'll look at this, Isaiah 53, and look at verses 4 through 5. And here's this idea of sickness and sin come together in the atonement of Christ. Look at Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Notice what it says. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed, esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. In other words, he's suffering and we think he must be a sinner and God is punishing him. Oh, look how much Messiah or this person is suffering. This servant, he must be, he must have a sin problem. So it's that prosperity theology that if you're sick, it's because you did something wrong. He said there must be something wrong. But look at verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He He was bruised. For our iniquities. He's not suffering because he was sinful. He's suffering because we are sinful and he is our substitute. Okay? But notice what happens. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. He needed to be punished so we could be have peace with God, but also, and by his stripes, we are healed. And when you jump to the New Testament, Matthew 8, listen to this. Matthew 8, when evening had come, They brought to Christ, to him, many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. So it's very interesting. Jesus' healing ministry, he doesn't separate the spiritual from the physical. It's all there together. And the demon-possessed and all that were brought to him were healed. There's no disease. There's no disease he can't heal. There's no power against you that he's not more powerful than. But notice... That might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. So here's the beauty of it. When Christ died on the cross, he took care of the root of all sickness. He dealt with the root, which is our sin. And in dealing with our sin, he can heal all our diseases. And you know that picture of the guy with the crutches, okay? That might happen in this life, but it will definitely happen in the life to come. There awaits the patient that dies of cancer. There awaits the the person who dies early in, in age. There awaits the person who has placed their faith in Christ, a glorified, resurrected body that will never age, never have disease, never have uh, aches, pains, and, you know, you know what it's all about. Pretty cool. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Number three, it doesn't stop there. Ultimate deliverance. Look at verse four. Look at the beginning of verse four. Who redeems your life from destruction. Okay, we move from disease to destruction. It's getting worse, but the blessings are getting better. Amen? That's good news. What, is, what does this look and feel like? What, is that, what does that bring to mind? Here's the renewing word picture. A slave freed from the slave market, enjoying perfect liberty and safety. I once was in chains and now I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. What does this mean? Well, here's a couple things that it means. Okay, what does this mean? It means we, in Christ... We are no longer enslaved to destructive habits. You, in Christ, can say no to sin. 
I had a friend in seminary who was a Christian from a good Bible church, came to seminary, and it wasn't until he took Romans, uh, studied Romans 6 through 8, that he knew he couldn't, uh, he could say no to sin. He said, Chris, guess what? Guess what I learned today? I said, what? What? It's going to be something profound, deep. I don't have to sin. Okay? But you know what? He was like he was like that guy. He was like, I'm free. And, and, and just everybody, he would just come up to everybody. You know what? I don't have to sin. I didn't know that. Nobody told me. I don't have to sin. And that's what this is telling us. You don't have to sin. I, and we need to remind ourselves of that. Amen? Because that's a blessing. But if you don't count that blessing, then you're going to say, well, there I did it again. There I go again. And each time you say that, you get a little more enslaved, a little more down, and a little more drained. Now, what is, so what's it mean? It means you no longer have to be enslaved. Here's what I want to challenge you with. We, as Christians, need to think less about what we cannot do in the flesh and spend our time thinking about what we can do in Christ. And that's the point. That's the point. Second thing about this, we no longer have to fear eternal punishment. This idea of destruction is not just loss of physical life. It's loss of eternal life. Okay? We do not have to fear eternal conscious torment in hell for all eternity. You say, Chris, how is this possible? 2 Corinthians 5.21. It's possible in Christ. For he made him who knew no sin... To be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The only way you and I are going to escape hell is for our sins to be forgiven. We've talked about it. And for us to receive Christ's righteousness. How good do you have to be to go to heaven? How good do you have to be to go to heaven? What? Did I hear perfect? Yeah. You have to be as good as God. For you to go to heaven, you have to be as good as God. Not on a curve, not on a, you know, a little more good, a little more bad. How good do you have to be to go to heaven? You have to be as good as God. And the only way you're going to be as good as God is nothing you can do and nothing you can become. The only way you're going to be as good as God is if you acknowledge, I'm not as good as you, and please Give me what Christ has provided, his righteousness. I need, just like I needed that new shirt, we need to be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Well, there's still a fourth blessing. They just keep getting better. Number four, gracious reward. There's a gracious reward. Look again at verse four. There's another who. Who redeems your life from destruction, but who also what? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Well, what does this look and feel like? Well, here's your renewing picture. It looks like Aragon, okay? Crowned king. An undeserving servant promoted to the throne room, highly honored as a son of the king. Great story if you like the Lord of the Rings. Aragon's going through there. You meet him. He's he's just dressed like a, 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 a just, you know, a, as a nobody. And then he's crowned, and the whole trilogy comes to this climax, and it's just, you can't but get excited about that. Well, guess what? That's not a fairy tale. That happens to us in Christ. He not only gives us all these blessings, but he treats us as royalty, and we enter into a covenant relationship, and we are granted tender mercy. So what does this mean? It means two things. God rewards us with both grace and mercy. What does he crown you with? Loving kindness and tender mercies. And there's different ways your Bible translations translate that, but it's the same two ideas. Okay, you see them there in your, in your Bible. And so he crowns us with grace and mercy. What is grace? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace and mercy. We need both. Mercy takes you from a negative 10 and and brings you up to a zero. Okay? I'm not going to give you what you deserve. 
Grace takes you from a zero and makes you a 10 plus by giving you what you don't deserve. It's a beautiful thing. But secondly, God rewards us with both the power and the desire to do his will. Both the power and desire. That's what grace does. That's what God's covenant love does. God's covenant relationship with us gives us the ability to do what the king commands, but also the ability to be what the king commands from the heart. So grace and mercy, grace, the ability to do what the king commands in our lives. That's the external. But to be what the king commands in our hearts is the internal, and grace gives us both. And what does that result in? Blessing number five, real satisfaction. Real satisfaction. Notice verse five. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. You think of, uh, uh, we think of Caitlin uh, Ruckel over here. I mean, she, you know, when babies are hungry, their mouths are wide open, uh, thirsting, hungering, desiring, demanding, crying. Caitlin crying? Okay, crying, carrying on, and then... When you put in their mouth that which they need to grow, all is okay for a little while. Okay, Then other issues happen. But here's the idea. What does this look and feel like? What does it look? It looks and feels like a hungry beggar seated at a royal banquet dinner, richly supplied with all you can eat. So it's like an old country buffet on steroids. Okay, It's like I'm starving. I don't have enough to eat, and then all of a sudden there's just a bounty, and my mouth is filled with all that I could be satisfied with. Thanksgiving's coming, so there you go. Think about that. Now, what does this mean? What does this mean? Number one, satisfaction comes from the giver and not the gifts. Real satisfaction comes from the giver and not the gifts. So here's what happens. When we are fatigued, when we are frustrated, when we are drained, we look for that which will fill our tank. And we look to the gifts that God has all around us. They're good gifts. But if you go to those gifts and think they're going to fill your tank, that they're going to satisfy you, they will for a moment. You know, it's like eating Chinese food. It's really good, very filling. And an hour later, you're hungry again. Anybody else? Yeah, okay. Maybe I was just a weird person, but you know, you're just you're not satisfied. Okay, I am weird. Oh, I know that. Thank you, Rick. Uh, I'm glad, glad you're here. Come back. Come back. Uh, but that's what happens with the when, when you make an idol of God's gifts, and instead realizing that the gift is from the giver, and if He can give me this gift, then He can give me so much more if I come to Him. Are you with me? If I find my satisfaction in him. So every good gift that meets your needs is like a ray of sunshine that you're supposed to follow back up to the sun itself and say, here's the source of the energy of the heat and of the satisfaction. You can receive good gifts from God without knowing God. In fact, everybody on this planet receives good gifts. Without knowing God, they get breath every morning. They get sunshine, they get rain, they get jobs, they get families, they get laughter, they get chiefs victories. But, or they get Mahomes, that's just the bottom line there. All those are given, but you don't know the giver, but you don't know the giver. So, but when you receive the giver, here's the thing. When you receive the giver, you get all of his gifts too. And so let's face it. We don't know what we really need. He does. We don't know what tomorrow holds. He does. We don't know what the ones we love really need. We don't know what they're thinking. We don't know how they're tempted. 
we don't know any of that. But when we know him, we know the one that can provide and meet all those needs. Okay? So let me challenge you, especially you that are parents, but anyone that has loved ones that you pray for. What do you pray for more? Do you pray for your loved ones to have more of God's gifts? Lord, I pray they have peace. I pray they do well at their job. I pray that they'll do well at school. I pray, well, those are all gifts. How much time do you pray, Lord, I pray they would know you. I pray you would draw them in to your heart. Lord, break away any idols, any false belief. Put a hedge of protection around them from, from those who would influence them to rebel against you, to reject you, to deny you. You know, I, I, I'll gladly have my daughter have less money and a closer relationship with God. I'll gladly have her endure many things on this earth if she goes through them walking with God and finding real satisfaction in him. It's a beautiful thing. And then secondly, satisfaction comes from the goodness that only God can give. Satisfaction comes from the goodness that only God can give. Okay, so every good gift comes down from above, right? From Father of Lights, that's in James. What is the definition of good? I did a study of good years ago. And it all came down to this. Trace it through. Kalos is the Greek word, and it's, it's found in the Old Testament too. But really what comes down to what's good, in the Bible, good things are what brings the greatest glory to God, the greatest good to others, and brings the most people to salvation. Those three things are what is good. So God, what I'm going through right now, to me, doesn't seem good. It seems bad. It's draining. I'm discouraged. I'm fatigued. But God, I seek you and your goodness. I want to glorify you. I want to do good to others. And Lord, whatever this hard time is, bring other people into relationship with you. So, where does renewal begin? Remember all that the Lord has done. And here's five blessings, right? We just saw them. Five blessings, all right? But the, in the Bible, when you remember something, it isn't like, oh, I forgot. Now I remember. Remembering in the Bible is the same as obeying. So how do I know when I really remembered something? When I do it, right? Just like with your kids. Did you take out the trash? Oh, yeah, you know, I'm, re- I'm reminding you to take out the trash. Are you just reminding them so they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to take out the trash? No, what is your re- reminding supposed to result in? Action. Action. I love it. Thank you. Exactly. It's to obey. And so if we're going to remember God's blessings, the action is this. Bless the Lord for all he has done. We have only remembered his blessings... When we put it into action and bless the Lord for all he has done. So look again at those verses. Or actually, I'm sorry, look at verse 5. The result of remembering is to bless the Lord, personal renewal. Notice what verse 5 says. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle's. Greater strength, greater renewal. That's what comes when we bless the Lord. But also, look, the cost of forgetting to bless the Lord is spiritual drain and eternal regret. Spiritual drain and eternal degrade. In other words, fatigue, frustration, fear, failure, and fallenness. So let me give you quickly the basics of learning to bless the Lord. Here's the basics. To bless is an attitude in life. Oh, my soul, all my soul. It's from the inside out. Secondly, to bless is an act of the total person. All that is within me, all that is within me. It's life, attitude, mental, emotional. And then to bless is to adore the one 
who is second to none. I love how each of these blessings begin with who, who, who. Follow the gift back to the giver. And then finally, to bless is to actively count your blessings and forget not uh, forget not all his benefits. So here's the other sheet that I gave you. And so here's your, here's your homework, okay? So take this sheet, and it says, Personal renewal begins when we remember what the Lord has done. And, I've, and we've got five blessings. And by, by the way, you've got five fingers on your hand. Every morning, you can count through these blessings. But I want you to fill this out. And you say, wow, there's 30. Okay, if you can't fill them out immediately, I think many of you, if you put your thought into it, you can fill it out immediately. If not, you've got a whole week to fill that out. And just count your blessings. And then, bless the Lord with all that's within you. Look at those blessings, look up to him, and bless him. And on the back, I gave you a history of the song, Count Your Many Blessings and See What the Lord Has Done. Read through that song, and we'll pick up there next week. And that song is right out of Psalm 103. I don't know if he had it in mind, but it's there. And that's the application of this lesson. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Father, we come. Lord, we we confess we often take for granted every good gift that comes down from you. We take for granted your goodness, your gifts, and too often, Lord, we worship the gift and not you as the giver. Too often we look to the world to renew our strength and we forget to count and remember all that you've done and then to bless you for all that you've done. So I ask for each person here, that they will be renewed in you. They will begin this week, before they even go to bed tonight, that they will count their many blessings and see all that you have done and be renewed from the inside out. We pray these things for the glory of you, Father, through your Son and by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go and count your blessings.